Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. So we've been in a series on entitled Motivated, and what, what truly motivates an individual to do or pursue some endeavor? What motivates us to truly live out the Christian life as Christ himself taught us? And really, we've narrowed it down to three areas which are all a part of building his kingdom until he returns, because really that's what we're supposed to be doing, building his kingdom. Not building our own kingdoms, not building ourselves necessarily up for, for pride reasons, but for, to be building his kingdom, amen? That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're to win people to Jesus, and then we're supposed to build them up, encourage them, help them grow so that they can form into the image of Jesus Christ, and then send them out to do the same. And everything that a church is mandated to do, missionally speaking, is really wrapped up in these three words, win, build, send, or as we say in Indianola First Vision Statement, rescue, develop, deploy. That's how we say it, win, build, send, rescue, develop, deploy. And this is what we've been going over in, the, in this mini-series entitled Motivated. I, I talked about being motivated to be rescuers a few weeks ago. Last week, Pastor Jared talked about being motivated to develop ourselves in Christ, to build ourselves up in the faith, in the faith, and ultimately be a church that provides a solid framework for people to grow. And I think it's important to remind ourselves that just because we are a church that endeavors to rescue those needing rescuing, not everybody wants to be rescued. There are many, in fact, who will refuse being rescued. But that doesn't change the fact that we ought to be rescuing. And the same goes for developing. The cold hard truth is that it is the individual's job. It is the person's job themselves to grow in Christ. Nobody can do that for them, not even the church. I can't make you grow in Jesus. It's not my job to make you grow in Jesus. You know, I've heard a lot of uh, people say over the, going, getting close to 30 years of, of ministry work that I've done, and, and I don't say that as a, as a pride statement, it's just there's some experience behind what I'm gonna say. There, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I left there because I wasn't being fed. It is not the church's job to spoon feed you. Well, yes, it is. No, it's not. I couldn't spoon feed all of you if, if I tried. If I was the greatest talent ever to exist in the pulpit, I wouldn't be able to spoon feed every one of you. That is a choice you must make. You must feed yourself. And Pastor Jared talked about that uh, last week a little bit, and he was right on the money. It is ultimately the responsibility of the individual. Now, we as a church are to do our best to make it easy and provide some doctrine, to provide maybe some programs and some facilitate some ways where that can happen. Good teaching and awesome programs, sound doctrine. That in itself won't change them, won't change people and cause them to grow. It's got to be their own decision. And this is especially hard when we see those whom we love refuse to go any further in Christ. It creates difficult situations. We've all heard it, quit judging me. It's such a common phrase anymore. Individuals use 
this phrase as a defense when a church family pushes them to grow in a way they don't like. And again, I think Pastor Jared covered this really well last week when he said, we are to judge one another within the body of Christ. We are not to judge those who have not surrendered their lives to Christ yet. How many believe that that's true? Oh, so I'm, I'm only picking up about three of you. How many believe that that's true? See, this is, this is if, if you're telling me the truth here and you're saying, oh, I don't believe that's true, that's concerning because the Bible is very clear about judging one another within the body. Everything that we do really gets back to judging in a way, determining where someone's at, determining how they are. And that's hard, cold stuff. It's like, why would God ever want or Jesus ever want us to judge one another? Because if we have the right heart, those doing the judging or examining and those receiving it, if they had the right heart, they would receive it and they would offer it in love and it would be a wonderful thing because it would cause us to grow. So we are mandated to rescue, we are mandated to develop, and we are certainly mandated by Christ to send out or deploy those that have been rescued and developed. It's just that simple, and at the same time, it's just that hard. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 really is a verse I want to land on and have landed on for the series, but it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I believe that going is in reference to going out, as in to rescue those that would be rescued. And then it says, and make disciples. These are followers, those that have not only merely accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, but have truly become born again. And this is, uh, this is instantaneous, and at the same time, it involves a continued process. It's that growth process. And then Jesus goes on and includes teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. As I read this verse, it's, it's just so clear when people build them and teach them to do the same. Deployment is all about encouraging people to go and rescue others as well as getting involved in building up those that are being rescued. And where you land in that, how you are being deployed in that, it really is determined by a lot of things. Your calling, all, all sorts of things, your personality, your giftedness. We're gonna get into some of that this morning. But my question is, how have you been deployed? Not just in evangelism, but in building up those being rescued. The, the, this, of course, again, can be done in many ways, but the local church should play a big part in making this easier. How are people being deployed here at Indianola First? We have literally those that have gone on the mission field from our church. I think uh, you all know Jennifer Oftedal, many of you do anyway. She's from our church. She's in Peru right now, serving the Peruvian people, winning them to the Lord and building them up. We also have missionaries that we support financially, many missionaries. It's part of our deploying, maybe not just in this church, but deploying those that would say yes to going, those who would say yes, uh, like we just sang about. We will go, or if you say go, we will go. If you say wait, we will wait. We support many missionaries. I believe it's over 70 now, many of them at $100 a month. We support many ministries uh, as well, a teen challenge, 
Lifehouse Women's Home, Circle of Freedom down in Seymour, Iowa, Intermission in, in Hammond, in, Indiana, Dream Center, the Dream Center in Des Moines, Convoy of Hope, which is disaster relief all over the world, and we, we, we support many others. If a ministry preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ and they rescue or develop people, we will do what we can to be involved. We want to deploy, as a church, we want to deploy people to go out and rescue and develop and not just the financial support, but to go and give your gifts. I know uh, it was just over two years ago that um, we took a group of 12 to Botswana, Africa. It was awesome. Those of you that, that went, you still talk about it. It was life-changing to go and to minister to those kids. And, and this church sent them. We deployed them to go. We even helped them financially to go, even though they made many financial sacrifices themselves to get there. Dennis Dopp and his team have just hit, I think, over 70,000 submissions from scrapping. That's deployment at its finest. Kids setting up lemonade stands all over our town to raise over 5,000 for missionaries to be equipped with what they need to do the job. That's deploying even our kids. I believe the Fireside Bistro is our church deploying, and not just because it raises money for missions, it facilitates ministry. You know, people say, why do you have such a big facility? Well, I don't know. When I got here, it was already here. But I can tell you one thing. It's paid for. It's debt-free. And a facility, if you understand why God gives it to you, it's to facilitate ministry. And that's what I think we're doing here. You know, the bistro, as I said, it facilitates ministry. Groups have been getting together during our, during our morning breakfast hours just to encourage one another. That's deployment, not only by the church in providing a space, but also by every individual that uses the space to encourage others. And I know that you realize we put a clinic in the northeast corner of our building. It is deployment when we give to the community, not asking for anything in return, just trying to meet needs. That's deployment. Church, we are, we are a, a family of believers that not only believes in rescuing and developing, but in deploying, turning ourselves outward and giving what we can give. I think Pastor Jared mentioned that this morning. We sang about it. That's deployment. Life groups are coming back soon. Womp womp. I said, life groups are coming back soon. <laughs> Hallelujah. And those that open their home or lead the teaching, that's deployment. It takes some work and it takes some prep time. But to have small groups meeting in homes to open the word together, to agree in prayer together, and just to love on one another, that's awesome deployment. We have planted a church and we're going to plant more. Everyone who helped over in Knoxville, you were deployed. It could have been helping in the parsonage in the basement, which was a scary place. Bobby Munoz, were you there? I think you were. It was scary, wasn't it, bud? I was scared too. But we cleaned it up and remodeled it so that their pastor, Dave, who we didn't even necessarily, well, I guess we did know he was coming at that time, but we wanted it nice for him. We wanted it great for him. That was deployment. That church runs over 140 people every Sunday. They have two services. They're doing fantastic. 
We had planned to release them in four years or five years. We released them in four, and I, with the understanding, because it was a scare, little scary thing. Finances were tough, but you know what? Uh, we would be there to back them if they needed help. They, we haven't had to help them one time since. So it, it, it's deployment, church. It's deployment. You are allowing yourself to be deployed when you volunteer for nursery, kids ministry, youth ministry, greeting, hosting, media, sound, live stream, camera operations, light operation. You know there's a guy in this church and a gal in this church from every week that operates the lights? It's amazing. Kitchen volunteers, dining room volunteers, facility maintenance and repair as well as new construction. Worship team members can consider themselves deployed. Board members are expected to do a lot for this church. They've been deployed. When you come and join in with one of our many weekly prayer meetings, you are allowing the Lord to deploy you. Visitation ministry, nursing home ministry, these are all deployments. You know, Donna and, and Donna Hoskinson and Sue Ellen um, come in during the week regularly to uh, clean the chairs in the bistro and the sanctuary. We have these little brushes and they brush the chairs off. In the, in the fireside room, they're, they're, they're brushing off uh, food and, you know, that, that some of your kids leave behind. And, and thank you for that. We appreciate that very much. When they, when they dirty up the chairs, you know, thank you to those kids and to the parents. But thank you to Donna. <laughs> I, was being, I was being facetious. <laughs> thank you to Donna and Sue Ellen for, for being two ladies who just saw a need and they came in and they do that. It's not easy work to go from chair to chair. It's not, it's not exciting work. It's rather monotonous. And it's one thing to do that in there, but then without hesitation, they're like, you know, the, the chairs in the sanctuary could use some help too. You say, well, that's just serving. That's not deployment. Yes, it is deployment because anybody that comes in here, maybe as a new person who's seeking, maybe they have a heart that, that's, that's kind of just wanting to find out what this God thing is all about, and they come in and they, the first thing they see is a nasty, dirty chair full of cat hair. <laughs> or dog hair, okay. We'll pick on the dog people too. That may affect whether they receive what they're supposed to receive when, they're, when they get here. So although that's not a very glamorous job, I applaud it greatly. You know, here's one thing that I know for sure. The guy who cleans the toilet around here or the gal who cleans the toilets around here, I'm no important in my job than they are in theirs. You understand what I'm saying? A family, that, a, a, a church family that is deployed, it, it's a very, very awesome thing because everybody has a part and everybody's doing their part. Everybody's involved somehow, some way. Deployment can be accomplished when individuals take the time to drop a card to someone who may be struggling. Deployment happens during our trunk or treat, during our Christmas programs, during our Easter programs and services. It happens whenever we do something that has potential to build the kingdom. Actually, every time we meet on Sunday mornings, it's deployment if you're involved in some way. It's deployment. If you go out to play church softball with the motive to be a light and to encourage one another, it's deployment. That's deployment. Anything you can think of that gives out of what we have for the purpose of building the kingdom. And, and again, the Lord doesn't necessarily need you to be deployed through the local church. I, I, I don't want to, to make, make, that, make it seem like that's the only way you can be deployed. You can be deployed lots of ways. It just happens to be that I live in this church world a little bit as a pastor. 
And I also know that the church, it, it, by design, was God's way to get as many people deployed as possible. But you can be deployed all over the place just through your own individual relationship with Christ, and that's great. You can have tons of influence in being involved in all sorts of deployment opportunities without the church. And I, I don't know if I should pick on this person or not, but um, I, I found out just this week, I was uh, doing a couple visits in the nursing home, and I found out that one of our, uh, our, our parishioners uh, takes her kids there, uh, Britt put off. This is not a, a church-sponsored thing. We didn't tell her to do this. She just does it because she's allowing the Lord to deploy her. But she takes a couple cats, kittens, and her kids and goes and visits some of the residents in the nursing home, and they love it. You don't have to wait for someone to tell you to be deployed. That's my point. You can be deployed all over the place. The church does provide some framework for it, and that's wonderful. But boy, there's opportunities everywhere. I want to read a verse to you this morning, and I really want you to think about this. And, 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 and as I'm reading it, I also, like I said in the beginning, want you to, to just really think about where are you being deployed? How are you being deployed? But this verse I want, to, I want you to think about is Romans eleven twenty nine. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Never. Let me read it in the Amplified. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For he does not withdraw what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't, he's not sorry for depositing those gifts and callings in you. No matter if you've been on the shelf for years and years, no matter if you've been uh, not being deployed in the way you need to be, God's gifts and callings, he doesn't take them back. They're still there. Lots of things keep believers, though, from being deployed the way they should be. But again, just because individuals are not allowing themselves to be deployed doesn't mean their gifts and callings are revoked. A couple of those reasons that have become hurdles for people in, in deployment, they're deployment killers, I'll call them. There's a few. One of them is offense. People can be offensive. How many have ever been offensive? And people can be offended. How many people have been offended? When you allow that offense to stop you from being deployed in your God-giving calling, you will be miserable until you let that offense go. Hear me, church. You will be miserable until you let that offense go. I was um, doing a, a worship tryout one time, not in this church, by the way, so don't try to figure out who it was. It's nobody you know. But I was doing worship tryouts, and you know, normally you think that when you're doing a, a worship team tryout, um, by the way, that's judging, isn't it? Are you glad that we judge that? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so I was doing worship tryouts, and not that I think I'm a perfect singer or a perfect player. player. There, there, there's obviously in, in the world of musicianship, in the world of singing, there's always somebody better. But I was doing this, this tryout, and, 
and we had a, a lot of good tryouts. And then this, this lady came up and, and she sang. She, and the first thing she said out of her mouth, she goes, I'm not very good. I'm like, okay, odd that you're here if you think you're not very good. But fine, I, I get it. Maybe you're just being humble. She starts singing and not being very good was a huge understatement. I mean, we're talking can't carry a tune if it was in a bucket. Not even close to knowing. I would hit a note on the piano, hit this note, because I just do a simple little tryout. I want to know if they can sing. I want to know if they have a sense of pitch. Is that, is, don't you think that that's an okay thing to do? Or are you mad at me that I do that? <laughs> okay, <laughs> just check it. But I hit a note on the piano, la, and then, I, and then you know, it, it doesn't say la, it's a note on the piano, but they have to sing that same note, right? Pastor Jared, do you want to try? La. Very good. Denny, you want to try? And we thank you. <laughs> but this lady couldn't hit a note if her life depended on it. Not even close. She's like, la, la, la. I'm like, no, not quite. La, la, la. Nope, missed it. You hit every note but the right one. And I said, you know, really on the, on the worship team, um, you really need to have a sense of pitch, whether you're playing an instrument or, or and the, the tambourine came up and, and um, I'm just not a big believer in someone playing the tambourine who has no sense of, of music. I mean, even rhythm, you know, is, is tough. I, I, I got to tell you that the... the one of the hardest instruments to play in a worship team is the tambourine because it drives the, the tempo like nothing else. Ask good musicians anywhere, they'll tell you. And so, you know, I love these churches that pass out tambourines to everybody. Um, <laughs> notice we don't. <laughs> you got all you need right here, right? I don't want to stay on this too long because this lady had a great heart and she loved... Um, she loved, she had a great heart for worship. She loved worship. And that's what she told me. She goes, I know I can't sing at all. And I know I really don't have any music ability. I've never been involved in anything like music or groups or anything like that. And, and she goes, but I just love it so much. And I'm like, well, you can stand in the front row and you can worship your heart out. You can sing your heart out. And you can lead worship by example as one of the parishioners. That's how I, how I handled it. I said, because really, you don't have a sense of pitch. And it's hard to have you be a part when we're trying to do harmonies and stuff like that, it, it just isn't going to work. And then she was offended. Very offended. Like, how dare you not let me be involved in the worship team when I love worship? Folks, that, that's an issue. And I'm, I'm just trying to keep it real for you this morning. That happens all the time in church. And then that person can walk off, that pastor... That leader in the church, that church, whatever you say, however they say it, he really did a number on me because he wouldn't let me sing. I know the word of God says make a joyful noise, but it doesn't say make it in a mic. All right? She was offended. Now, I think since then she's found her way back into church and um, she's doing fine. But when I said no, it was very offensive. I don't think I was being very offensive, but she thought I was being offensive. You understand? That's what she wanted to do. And uh, 
When you allow offense from stopping you from being deployed in your God-given calling, you will be miserable until you let that offense go. And that, that's what I was saying. I mean, so she sat on the shelf for a couple of years not doing anything because she was mad. But let me tell you something. That woman had gifts. That woman had callings, and they were without repentance. And if she just would have got, got her eyes off the offense and got them on what she was called to do, she would, be, she would have been in a better place a lot quicker even if it was her calling to sit in the front row and love worship like nobody else in the room. Because that leads to, doesn't it? Amen. Another thing that hinders deployment in people is, is their misplacement. People who want to be developed in a certain way, but, uh, or, I'm sorry, deployed in a certain way, but maybe aren't called to that particular ministry like the lady who was trying out for worship. If they aren't given the chance, they become offended. And if they're given the chance, they may do more spiritual harm than good to, to themselves and to others, really. And, and they may not even realize that. It, it takes an incredible amount of prayer and wisdom. It takes uh, self-awareness, common sense, and being led of the Spirit all at the same time when you're trying to find out, where should I be deployed? What should I do? Where should I let God put me to minister to others, to give back that which has been so freely given to me. There are some people who are just more, you know, suited than others to be used in multiple ways. Other, others may be called to, to something more focused and maybe less visible, but, but don't be mistaken. Everyone who does what they are called to do will receive their reward. Some people get stuck in a rut of not knowing what their area of deployment should be. I mean, my advice is to think about yourself, your, your, your specific personality, your, your ministry giftedness, your personal ministry passion, and even your spiritual giftedness, and, and also to be brave enough to ask somebody who might know, hey, do you see anything in me where I could be deployed? Have you ever done that? That should be a common thing we do to one another as, as family in Christ. Where do you see me in ministry? Where do you see my gifts at? You know, sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees, can we? We can't see our own giftedness. How many have ever, and, I, and I'm just kind of shooting from the hip this morning a little bit today, but how many have ever been to the Phillips farm? And I'm picking on them because they're sitting right here. Don't sit in the front row. I'll pick on you. How many have ever been to the Phillips farm and eaten Peggy's food? I, I'm telling you, they are one of the most hospitable peop, couples I've ever met. They're, that's their gift. They're hospitable. Denny's a little crazy and he makes it fun, right? I don't mean crazy in a bad way. I mean crazy in a good way. He's kind of crazy and he makes it fun. And then you have Peggy, who's just this amazing cook and everything is so good. That is hospitality. That's their giftedness and they're deployed. You know, I don't necessarily even deploy them in it really through the church all that often, except maybe in life groups. But most of the time, they're just doing it themselves and that's okay. Deployment. Find yourself being deployed. Don't get in a rut of not wearing, knowing where you should be. Ask somebody. You know, all those things, passion, giftedness, uh, personality, and, and, and even, even uh, ministry, your, your passion for what, what touches your heart. These all can play a part in determining where you are best suited to be deployed. You know, I, I worked with, um, I've worked with several pastors over the years, and, and uh, there was one who... Uh, their wife was very, always very uh, insecure about where she would want to serve. 
And, and I want to I just say this about this individual, because uh, I don't want to, if the individual's watching, they would probably know it's them. But, but honestly, I, I don't take anything away from them because there's something in the ministry that's very difficult. That's when the people expect the pastor or the pastor's wife to be a certain way. Years ago, I mean, one of the questions that was very common to the pastor's wife when you were interviewing for a church was, do you play piano? Well, what if you don't, but you're still called to ministry? I mean, does that make any sense at all? No. So this individual was really just insecure. This is years ago. Insecure about what, where they were supposed to serve. And so they would try this, and they just, all energy, all gung-ho, boom, 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 boom. And then, eh, that's not really it. Then they try this. All energy, boom, boom, let's go, go. God has called me to this. I'm supposed to be doing this. Rah, rah, rah. And then, okay, I guess I'm supposed to go over here and do this. And I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this. Never could find their place. And, and I'm, I'm telling you that because it, it's probably due to some insecurity, sure. Maybe insecurity that was produced from other people. Maybe it was produced uh, through offense. I don't know. But I know it was very difficult for this person. And actually, there was good that was done at times, but then there was a lot of things that weren't good when they jumped to the next thing. And it probably wasn't the best mode of operandi, if that's how you say it. It's probably not the way we should operate when it comes to finding our place. I do think that God raises people up, and in reference to all this I'm talking about, I do believe God raises people up sometimes in a moment, even in areas that have no, maybe in, in an area that that person has no gifts or at least didn't know why they, or didn't know they had gifts in. And, and uh, I think God does this to show off a bit, but to remind us that he can raise up whoever he wants to build his kingdom. He can do whatever he wants, right? This is, however, however more of the exception than the rule. I, I remember a time... Um, and some of you know that I was involved after, well, I was a music major and then I quit. I never really finished it because I got involved in a Christian band. And um, the guy who started the Christian band, uh, his name was Chad Mason, a great guy. The funny thing is he, he ended up having, when, when I came here um, and I was here for quite a while, this is just fairly recently, he had daughters, twin daughters, who ended up coming to church here for a while um, were they in Simpson or something? Yeah, they're in Simpson College. And so it was very interesting that they came to church and I was in a band with their dad. And they're like, you were in a band with my dad? You know, <laughs> like, yeah, it was a long time ago. But their dad is completely not musical. And God put it on his heart in a moment to start a band, a Christian band. And so he started gathering musicians, but it was kind of hard for him because he didn't know how to play anything and he wasn't a great singer. But what he did do is he he was anointed to do it in the moment. And so what happened was he went home and he practiced literally, like the song says, until his fingers bled. He, he played till his fingers bled and he learned, he forced himself to do it. And so that dedication, long enough, I think he was with the band for a year and then he was just like, you know what, I'm no musician. I think my calling was just to start this thing and now I'm out. It's very interesting. I've never hardly ever seen that since though where God just raises somebody up in an instant, but, instance, but he does do it from time to time. See, I, I, I bring all this stuff up, church, because the American church, in many ways, is crippled when it comes to deployment. Feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, 
Low self-esteem can and do play, this, play into this a lot. At any one time, as a pastor or a minister, you could turn on YouTube or, or TV or look on the internet, and you can find these amazing churches with amazing worship, with amazing uh, sets and lights and everything. You can find it, and you can feel inadequate right away. You can feel that way as, as just about anybody in the church as they step out. I don't know if I'm good enough to do that. I see this person in the church, and they're so much more outgoing. I don't know if I could do that. Well, maybe it's not your gift, but maybe it is. I, I guess what I'm saying is inadequacy, uh, the feelings of inadequacy, shut that down. Insecurity, low self-esteem, it plays into that. Being so easily offended and hurt, it can stop your deployment and tracks. All these things have crippled the church but the gifts and callings are without repentance. So there they sit with all these gifts and callings, just churning in them because they know they're there, but they can't be deployed or they won't allow themselves to be deployed. That is a sad thing. And it hurts his church. Get rid of the offense before it shuts you down. Let me just say it that way. If you want a great read, read The, the Bait of Satan. There's not, there's not a better book about, about on that subject. And I'm well aware that there are people in leadership within the church, whether it's a, a local church or whether it's the church as a whole, there are leaders who are bullies. I know there are some, some people in this place who have been hurt by church leadership in the past. Some of you have probably even been hurt by me. It's inevitable. We're all human. But before any of us reaches for offense, talk through it, work it out, try to understand the perspective. Don't forget that it's also possible for church leadership to be burned by individuals. It goes both ways. So much offense, it's hard to navigate it all. I get it. People looking at their circumstances uh, in the now through the, through the eyes of their past offenses. It cripples the deployment that God has created you for. You know what I think? And I believe, I believe that if the church would get over its offenses, I mean, all of us as individuals, if we got over that stuff, if we stopped feeling inadequate all the time, and we stepped out into what God has called us to do, from, from, from local churches to ministries to, to, to para, parachurch ministries to whatever it is that would involve you being deployed— if, if the church would stop letting all those hindrances hold them back and keep them from being deployed, I think the church would be so phenomenally effective it would blow our minds. Instead of churches closing on a regular basis and it being hard to find anybody to, to fill pulpits, and, it, and it, it, would, it would just explode. It would be like revival fire flowing, like wildfire. You know, I think about 12 guys, 12 fishermen and, 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 and Jesus. What they did in three years changed the entire history of the world, future-wise. 12 guys. What can a church of 300, 400, 500 do? What can the church of Jesus Christ, which is what, estimated, 50 to 70 million across the world? Something like that? Maybe it's more than that. That's probably just made up uh, made up statistics right but millions and millions and millions what if what if their deployment wasn't being shut down by all of that stuff 
I'm telling you, we would be effective and the church would grow. Things would happen. People would be saved. If you're not actively allowing yourself to be deployed, when you, when, you need to change that, okay? Is, is that an okay thing for me to say? Is that too offensive for you? If you're not letting yourself be deployed, I don't care how old you are. If you're old, you got more, more ways to be deployed than if you're young because you got wisdom and experience. Don't set yourself on the shelf because you're old. And if you're too young, don't, don't let people look down on you because you're young. Paul told Timothy that. Find ways to be deployed. Yeah, you might, you might have to submit to some authority. Is that okay? Can, can I be just brutally honest here? I mean, brutally, transparently honest. Can I be? I'm waiting for your permission. Eight years working for Pastor Calloway was not easy. Some of you don't know him. That's fine. He's a great guy. I'm not saying anything bad about him, but it was not easy. There was a lot of things that I submitted to that I didn't even really agree with because they weren't sin issues, and it's what I had to do. I wanted to be deployed to the youth of the city back then, and it required some submission. So what did I do? Well, I ain't submitting. What would that have done to my deployment to the youth? Cut it off. But with a little submission, I got to minister. I got to do the things God called me to do. And you know what? And now looking back, I learned so much from that. So much. In the midst of it, I was like, but looking back, I'm like, praise God for a man who made me submit. Church, don't let yourself be put on the shelf or be marginalized in your deployment because of some past hurt. Don't do it. Or because of some feeling of inadequacy, you just don't think you're good enough. Don't let yourself become crippled. We don't have time as a church to be crippled when there's people dying and going to hell in a handbasket in our world. We don't have time to, 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 to step back and shelf ourselves while, while we, we lick our, our wounds and, and, and we feel sorry for ourselves. Am, am I being offensive? I'm not trying to be. I just want people saved. I want people built up. If you need help finding where you can be deployed, that's what the church is for. We'll help you. I've shared this so many times in our Connections class, I debated whether I should share this here. But I think it's just a great analogy. If you think about the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, and most all of you have heard this. I just want to remind you of it. Both of these bodies of water have an inlet. They are constantly being supplied with water, kind of like us, constantly being supplied with the Spirit of God. We come to church, we open up our Bible, we do our personal devotions, we spend time in prayer, we listen to Christian radio and Christian music and praise and worship all the time, right? We, we live there, and we're being poured into, like the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea both have inlets of fresh water clean, new water. But the difference is 
that only the Sea of Galilee has an outlet. Which may not make mean a lot to those of you who've never been there. I haven't been there, but I've, I've studied it. To those who live there, it means a whole lot. The Dead Sea is a stinky place. It's desolate, and no one really lives around there at all. Whereas the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life. The outlet is the difference. You may have amazing, wonderful inlets, and that is wonderful. God just pours into you. That's outstanding. You should find as many places to be, to be poured into as possible. But if you have no outlet, you will end up desolate and stinky. You've got to find those outlets and allow yourself to be deployed by God, whether it's through the local church or not. But let me take you back to the title of this series real quick. And I'm finishing up right now. Motivated is the title. What motivates you to even want to be deployed? It's not just about doing your duty or putting in your share of volunteer time. It's got to be more than that. Your motivation to be motivated to do those things, your motivation to do those things has to be larger than all of the other stuff that would hinder you from being deployed. It has to be larger. So what is it? In every one of these areas, in rescuing and developing and deploying, it must all flow out of our relationship, our active personal love relationship that we have with Christ. We want to rescue because we have taken on his nature when we become born again, and he's a rescuing God. We want to grow in him and be more conformed to his image because we know how amazing and awesome he truly is. We want to be like our, our father. We want to be like Jesus, right? That's why we want to grow and learn. That's what motivates us. He, he desires to be his hands and feet as we are deployed by him, whether through the church or not, because as we fall in love with him, we discover who we really are and what, how we were created and what we were supposed to do. All of it flows out of our love relationship with him. All of it. And if that love relationship is not in place, all the other stuff is just meaningless. Love has to be our motivator. And it will always motivate us to rescue, develop, deploy. It will always do that. Whether you're in the grocery store or whether you're just at home in the evening, you're like, I feel like someone needs some encouragement all of a sudden. So I'll, give, I'll shoot them a quick text or I'll message them on social media or I'll, I'll give them a call. Oh, that's, I'll send them a letter in the mail. Whoa. It doesn't matter how, but, but, but if God tells you to do that, you're, you're allowing yourself to be deployed. Church, it's time for us to, to, to embrace this thing called deployment. Embrace this thing called uh, going out into the highways and byways. Yes, compelling them to come, but then loving on them. Some of you are going to be more into winning them, and some of you are going to be more into cleaning them up and helping them grow. Just the way we're, 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 we're wired. Jesus was a lot of things to, a, to, to he's everything to everybody, really. You know, I, and I, I think we talked about this this week in our staff. We were saying, you know, how Jesus, on one hand, told a, a, a group of people, um, he said, come follow me. And they said, well, we will, but let us bury our dad first. And he goes, let the dead bury their own dead. And then over here, he says, leave the 99 and go after the one. Does that seem like the same guy? And it was. 
balanced. Some of you are going to be more like let the dead bury their own dead. Some of you are going to be more like leave the 99 and go after the one. And that is the beautiful thing about the family of God. We're all different. I'm so glad that you're not like me and so are you. You know? That's what's so wonderful about the family. There's no one way to do this. There's only one way to, to heaven, and that's through Jesus. But there's no one way to win people. The message doesn't change, but the means always do. The, the ways we, we go about carrying this out. Church, let's... I, I want to remind you again, and, and, and whenever you say, this is our vision statement, it always seems so... Uh, I don't know. Scholastic? It just seems like that's us. Everybody repeat it, you know? I, I don't want it to be that. I, I want it to mean something in your heart. Our, our vision statement is simply that, rescue, develop, deploy. Rescue, develop, deploy. And our motivation to carry that out has got to be love. It's got to be. It's the only way it will happen. You can't do it out of duty. It's got to be love. A love relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I th thank you that you are a God who loves infinite variety. All we have to do is look at one another, even within this local family of believers. And God, we can see the different ways that you put us together, the different personalities, the different giftedness, the different everything. God, I pray that we would become the people who you've created us to be the way you intended us to be. And that we would not fall prey to some of the hindrances that keep us from being deployed. Things like offense or things like, like insecurity or, or inadequacy. Lord, we just want to be Jesus with skin on. We want to flow in those gifts and flow in those talents and do ministry God which is just you working through our personality Father we dedicate ourselves to you right now to be deployed on your behalf Lord I don't know what that looks like for everybody I can pray about what it looks like for me but I don't know what it looks like for somebody else necessarily in here and Lord, if you are leading someone into those deployments, I pray, God, you would just make it so clear to them. Lord, if there's a person in here today, anybody in here today who doesn't, who's just confused and doesn't know what they're supposed to do, Lord, let them reach out and find help, whether through the church here or through Christian brothers and sisters that can give them wise counsel. God, we just pray that, that you would make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. Father, we would all find ourselves smack dab in the middle of your will, living that abundant, fulfilled life. Lord, we give you honor and glory today. But even, even as, more than that, God, we want to give you honor and glory by, by, by offering ourselves as living sacrifices to you, to be deployed in any way that you would have us be deployed. And if that's your prayer today, would you just stand up and say, yeah, that's me. I want to be deployed more than I've ever been deployed before. And don't stand up if you don't want to. There's no shame in that. And just being honest if that's where you're at. That's okay.
Sometimes we do the stand thing, and I always feel bad for these guys who are paraplegics back here. They got to work twice as hard to get to church. But if you guys, if that's your heart, would you just raise both hands up and say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, look at the other hands go right up. I want to give them a chance to be involved in what we're doing too, obviously. God, you see this church. And you see seeds of greatness throughout this place. As I've said so many times, when we see apple seeds, you see apple orchards. God, you, you are dreaming big dreams for not just this church, but for every individual in here. God, we are so looking forward to what you're going to do in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.